Hi, I'm Megan, a former TV news producer turned freelance content creator. While searching for the elusive work-life balance, I realized I had built my life around my work when really it should be the other way around. So I clocked out of clocking in and decided to take on a workload that made sense for me and my family. Within my first year, I was able to spend priceless quality time with my girls while matching my full-time salary, leaving me content to create. Now, I want to share the lessons I've learned, the tools I've used, and more than anything, I want to share the people who have helped make this happen. I'm so glad you're here. This podcast would likely not be here today if it wasn't for my next guest, Junior. He kindly asked me to join him on his Instagram live series called Leap. It's where he invites all of these people from different walks of life to talk about a leap that they have taken. For me, it was humbling and empowering. And since that interview last summer, I haven't been able to shake that I should be telling my story on a bigger in a bigger way. And that I should also be inviting the people that have amazing stories to tell around me to be a part of it. So I'm so excited to have Junior here with me today. He is an entrepreneur, a brand strategist, writer, and speaker. He is committed to helping people and companies find the truest expression of who they are and their contribution to the world. I love that. I love that so much. It could not describe you better. So welcome, Junior. Thank you so much for being my first guest. Thank you so much for uh, giving me the honor to be the first guest. I We've talked about be, being, you being on the show before, and I knew you enjoyed being on the show, but I didn't quite understand the impact it's had on you and so I'm, I'm deeply honored and i'm reminded that while my show doesn't reach millions of people uh, and doesn't attract the attention of millions of people um, that it can have the impact on on a single human being which to me is already a wonderful wonderful contribution to the world so so thank you thank you <laughs> So I've already mentioned your leap series on Instagram. Um, I think that that is such an amazing way to help tell stories of people that are in that messy beginning. That's one of the whole reasons I wanted to start this podcast. It's not that I um, am making millions. I'm, I don't have an audience of millions, but I want to share these lessons that I've learned, even if it just helps one person. It's it's a really cool thing that we can do as creators. So I'm going to turn the tables on you. And I'm going to ask you about a leap that you have taken. Um, so let's start there. What's the biggest leap that you have ever taken? Yeah. I mean, one thing I've learned from, from hosting the leap series is that there's really rarely only one big leap of faith. It, life right. is made of these big and tiny leaps that we all take. Uh, when I reflect on my life and try to identify the biggest leap. Um, although when you are in a situation where you are taking a leap of faith, it feels like the biggest leap of your life. Right. Yes. Um, yes. but for me, probably leaving my country, uh, Cameroon as a 19 year old and coming all the way to the U S to, to study, right. I was afforded a, a full scholarship to play and study, to play soccer and study at Winger university. 
I was a 19-year-old leaving his family for the first time. I had no family here, no mentor, no guardian waiting for me, no family friend, and I could barely speak the language. So I didn't realize what a what a leap it was back then because for me, I was really just excited about this life-changing opportunity. But looking back, it's quite a leap of faith to go to a to a foreign country to go to a school you've never visited before, to go to a place where you you have no real bearing and no 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 one waiting to welcome you, and yeah. you don't even have mastery of the language that you're gonna need in order to interact with people and build relationships. But for me, perhaps it was the fact that I was a 19, naive, excited young young man. It didn't feel like a leap of faith. It just felt like an opportunity that I couldn't afford not to take. So the question for me wasn't whether or not I should take the leap. The question was how how would that make this this possible? Mm. So how did you make it possible? Yeah, I mean, the the whole opportunity was a two day tournament where four American coaches were invited home and created a tournament that to, for high school students and college students to showcase their talent. And at the end of which, eight people will be offered a full scholarship to come to the US and study. And I was competing with over 200 other kids that saw this opportunity for what it was, which was a life-changing opportunity. So we were given three months heads up, more or less, to prepare for the tournament. So the first bit of preparation was telling my parents. My parents never really supported my professional and aspirations when it came to soccer, because for them, they saw too many kids putting aside school in order to pursue this dream and not having anything to fall back on. So education for them was the priority and the only thing really that mattered. So selling them on this idea, fortunately, was really easy because it was the perfect marriage. It had soccer and it had education. So that was the first thing I had to do. I had to sell them on the idea and luckily that was easy. And with them on board, with their blessing on board, with their financial backing, it became easier for me to prepare for, for the opportunity, which was really training, working hard and brushing off the inevitable doubts that I wasn't good enough to be one of eight people chosen out of 200 plus kids. Um, so I think a, a mixture of having my parents support, luck and a little bit of talent I was able to uh, to make the best of the opportunity and and here we are 17 years later. Wow, that that's incredible. So you you mentioned that self-doubt, that you know not feeling like you're good enough, not feeling like that you could be picked. You obviously were good enough and you obviously were picked. But how has that served you? Like that self-doubt, how do you get past that? What do you what do you do to get that out of your head? Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's never gone. I was, I'm always the one, I'm fortunate in that most people believe in me at times more than I believe in myself. And I've always been surrounded by people that see qualities in me that are not always obvious to myself. And 
And in those moments of self-doubt, I, I lean on the people that I trust most, the most to, to remind me of what I'm capable of. And then I lean on my past experiences to poke holes at this story of imposter that my brain is serving me, that I have a track record. I have a track record of having started difficult things. I have a track record of having finished difficult things, having learned new skills, having traveled to a new land and build new relationship and becoming resourceful. So, you know, that's how I deal with the self-doubt. And I deal with the self-doubt as well by becoming very familiar with the story because it's a story that has been in my head ever since I could remember. And once you become attuned to it, it, it becomes a, a friendly, familiar foe that you can at least now have a conversation with and say, here you are again, old friend. Um, <laughs> haven't, haven't spoken to you in a while. Um, what do you want this time? So I think it's, it's a combination of all those things, leaning on, on the people who love you, who believe in you, who support you, leaning back on your track record, because if you made it this far, then you, you probably have a fantastic track record of surviving dark days and doing difficult things and acknowledging, acknowledging where the self-doubt comes from and, and investigating what it is, where does it come from? Do you feel not prepared? Do you feel that you don't have the resources? And I think even the acknowledgement of, of the doubt and getting familiar with its origin is also something that is, is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually reading big magic, but I think it's mm, Elizabeth, Gilbert. Elizabeth and Gilbert. She, and she talks about that, um, fear. I think, I think it's fear that you let ride with you. Like you let it get in the car, but you don't let it have the front seat. And I, I love, I love that analogy. Um, so with your leap, your leap to come to America, to take that scholarship, it was huge. Even if you didn't recognize it at the time, it was, it was a, a great, huge leap of faith for you. You've taken another one since then and probably many more, but another one that I, I can speak to is starting your own business. How did that first leap help you make the second leap or any, any other leap that you've taken in your life? Yeah. I don't think the first leap, leap informed the second one. This, this, not the second one, this most recent one, which is to leave my full-time employment to start a branding and marketing agency. What really informed the second leap was, was COVID really, I think. I think it's a dream that I've always had, but it's a dream that I never felt I was quite ready to honor. So I've, I've put it on the, on the, on a shelf somewhere and went about my life and acquired new skills and, and did all the things that I felt I needed to do to be ready for that dream someday. And then COVID happens and COVID, among other things, reminds us all of how fragile this, this life is and how not guaranteed the future is and reminded me of how much someday is an illusion. I, re I looked around me and I realized that there's really nothing preventing me from, from starting that business, right? I'd had mm -hmm. the skills, I had the experience, I had the knowledge, 
I had a little bit of savings, which is a very, very important yes. <laughs> element to this. I think when we tell these stories of quitting job and, and starting a company, this is the bit that is often missed. But it's a very, very important bit is is understanding your financial runway with the expectation that you might not make any money in the next three, six months and having yeah. a plan for a financial plan for navigating that. So having that financial runway and having the urgency that COVID's brought into all of our lives to really reconsider our dreams and to dust them off, I was encouraged to take this leap. But where my initial leap that I just mentioned came in handy is in those early days, early months of doubts, of wondering whether or not you had what I had, what it took or it take to build a business, having, never having done it before. And I had to remind myself again of my track record, my track record of leaving my country, coming to a new land, barely speaking the language, and now being in a position where I can start a business, the same kind of adaptability, resourcefulness, grit, asking questions, learning from others that was required in order for me to succeed back then will be the same skills that I need. And luckily I've already developed and acquired those skills so I can do it. So the, that leap informs and sustains me on days where it feels like I might not be good enough to build this thing. I, I, I've never really understood it. I don't feel like until I, I too started my own business, but everything is figure outable. Like I never understood <laughs> where that came from, but like everything is, you can figure it out. You can move forward. You can do it. Um, so I, I love that. I love that you leaned on your first leap to kind of get there. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about the business that you've built. Yeah. So I've always, not always, I found the fascination for, for branding and marketing. I found the fascination for the role that brands played in our life and the kind of some, sometimes irrational relationship we have with them, the kind of affinity that some people have with Nike or Harley yeah. Davidson or Apple, right? That it, it becomes a way for us to project our identities to the world, to let them know and, and, let, and reveal a piece of ourselves. I've always, I've been fascinated by that. I've, I'm also fascinated by the power that brands have to move important conversations forward and to change the world and the power that they have in, in shaping the culture and the public discourse, right? So I, I, I wanted to figure out how those people did that, how those people made us fall in, fall in love with with brands that really for the most part are only selling us commodities hmm. and what what i found out is that they really do it mostly by telling us amazing stories stories that communicate human truth stories that communicate the the zeitgeist of our civilization of our society in this moment in time and that's where the name of the agency comes from the name of the agency is is griot and the griot is an african storyteller and those storytellers were traveling poets and musicians that were responsible for telling through those oral tradition 
stories about the values of the society and the culture and the civilization and pass on those values to the next generation. Because stories were the best way for them to almost sneak in those important lessons to a child that maybe didn't have the attention span or the level of comprehension or to a grown-up that may forget if just told straight up a lesson about life, but might remember a story that was told to him or her about, you know, growing up in Africa and the values of family and love and respect and humility mm -hmm. and, and all that. So for me, when I think about brands and I think about my role as a brand strategist, I consider myself a griot because again, brands have the power to tell stories about how we live and how, and the things that are important to us in this specific moment in time. If you look at advertising in the sixties, it gives you a sense through what is being portrayed. It gives you a sense for how people lived in the sixties and how they mm -hmm. define important ideas like love and freedom and respect. But it also tells you by through what is not portrayed, how people lived in the time, perhaps you might notice that there was very little diversity in the adverts. And you can infer from that the, the, the cultural context at that moment in time. So for me, when I think about the work that we do at the agency, it's really about help, helping continue to tell those stories and build these stories through the companies and the brands that we have to tell, that we, we help um, build. Because I think in that, that's how people build this seemingly irrational relationship with brands. And that's ultimately also how brands grow and how they are able to change the world and at their at best and sell product and services that also allow us to make progress in our lives. You, you didn't speak on it, but I know it's underneath all of that. But empathy is such an important part of that. And like that is such an important part of who you are and who you're portraying to the world. Um, you have your own podcast, Empathy Led. And I, I just want to know how how does that impact our storytelling, that empathy part? Yeah, I mean, I think to be a storyteller is really about creating a world for other people to inhabit is about understanding how this specific delivery is going to impact them mentally, emotionally. Uh, and it requires a great deal of empathy to understand who your audience is. Uh, I recently had to give a presentation to 300 plus middle schoolers. And although fundamentally the topic I was covering is a topic that I cover with grown-ups all the time, I had to deploy empathy for that audience, for mm. their level of comprehension, for their attention span, to understand not only the content, but also the delivery method that will, that will be most successful with that specific audience. For me, that's empathy. And I think when you consider how people take in information, you consider how they make purchasing decisions, when you consider the things that we are more likely to remember, then you begin to make choices that are slightly different because you start with developing and deploying this level of empathy for the audience that you are creating these stories for. 
And from a, from a more marketing standpoint, for me, I really think about it in a very practical way. Unless you understand your customers, it's very difficult for you to bring products, services, and experiences that they will find useful or that they will enjoy or that they will find memorable. And unless you understand what drives your employees, it's really difficult for you to get the best out of them, to motivate them and to inspire them, to bring their best, to contribute to your cause and to your company on a daily basis. So for me, I think about empathy in that very practical way, that even if all you care about is to make money, then you need to understand who your audience is and you need mm -hmm. to understand how to get the best out of your employees so they can be more productive. So when you think about it in those terms and you think about the power of storytelling for us to create emotional connection with, with the people that we seek to serve, uh, it just makes such a logical sense to me that empathy should be central to everything that we do. And, and it is central to everything that we do at the agency. Oh, I love that. That is so good. That is so good. So I want to go ahead and wrap this up. I want to be mindful of your time. What leaves you content? So I'm calling this content to create. Um, it also can be read as content to create. So a little play on words it. there. I love, I love it. it, right? Yeah, it's great. So content, what leaves you content? Or in, a, in another way to ask this, it's like, where do you find yourself restless? Um, I, I think that's a really curious question to ask people because I've been wrestling with this myself. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are two pieces there. I'm going to tackle the restlessness piece. Okay. My relationship with restlessness has improved over the time. Mm -hmm. I used to think that restlessness is always a bad thing. Mm. And now I have reconsidered that. I think there is part of restlessness that is our soul that is letting us know that we are not where we are supposed to be. That, that is so the good. place, the relationship or the situation that we are in isn't the stop for us and that we need to look for something else. And unless the voice and the whispers are nagging at us, the soul knows that we're not going to move. So part of restlessness is that is the whispers of your soul that are telling you, you know, that dream that you've always had and you are not trying to honor is still there. And it's not going to leave until you honor it, until you look at it. And as a result of that, you are restless. And then the second phase, the second part then, which is connected to the first is being content. Mm -hmm. Is I've also learned over time, and my wife is such a beautiful teacher. I call her my, I call her my, uh, my guru, right? Because she, she keeps me grounded. She's one of the most content people that I know and and really what she has mastered is this ability to love the life that she has right this ability to love the life that you have to love the place that you are in although it might not be the most ideal one although the circumstances or the cards that you are dealt are not ideal you need to find ways to love the life that you have and you know to to go on this lofty goals and ambition and to 
from a place of enough, not a place of scarcity, right? Mm. That mm. she she also taught me that if what you are ultimately looking for, you cannot find right now in the life that you have, then whatever you think is going to bring those things is still going to leave you empty. That if you cannot find joy now, if you cannot find happiness now, if you not, it cannot find contentment now, the more money, a new relationship, moving into a new state or moving into a new country are not going to deliver those things. That the real skill is to first find those things here and to continue to find and create greater alignment so you can experience more of those things because they are already here if you are mindful enough and if you look hard enough for those things if you practice gratitude and if you learn to be content loving the life that you have so for me is dancing between those two sides of that coin is honoring the whispers of my soul that are take, telling me that I have more to give to this world and I have a greater contribution to make. But at the same time, practicing gratitude for all the things I've already accomplished, how far I've already come, for the things in my life that I should be grateful for. Uh, and I think that is also the way to not suffer your ambition because sometimes we suffer our ambitions, right? You are so ambitious that you never take the time to celebrate your wins. You are so ambitious that you never take the time to be grateful for what you have. And the way to not suffer your ambition is to be grateful, is to find contentment in the things that ultimately really matter in life. Your health, the love in your life, um, you know, the ability to take a walk, the ability to um, experience this, free, simple pleasures without which life would just be this hardest path that we have to take on a daily basis. Wow. That was amazing. <laughs> I couldn't have asked for a better answer. And your wife is quite the guru if she's teaching you this stuff about contentment. So I love that. Love that. Um, okay. So tell us if we want to hear more from you, if we want to listen to your empathy led podcast, where can we find you? Yeah, I mean, I think the two, three best places really are uh, LinkedIn, which is just Junior and Yam. Uh, I don't think I'm competing with that name with anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm competing for that name. So Junior and Yam at, uh, in LinkedIn. And then on Instagram is at Junior underscore Yam. And then if you want to learn more about the agency is griotagency.com. If you are a company that is looking to find your soul, who's really trying to unearth and communicate the truest expression of who you are and the contribution that you want to make in the world, then I'm certain we can help. Um, so yeah, those awesome. are the easy places to find us. Awesome. And I'll make sure those are in the show notes so everyone can just click and find you. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Junior, for being my first guest, being patient with me as I learned how to record and also um, just asking me to be part of your story on Leap. That was just so special to me. And I don't know. I don't think that you'll ever know how much it did mean to me. So. Right. Thank you. Thank you for um, giving me the honor to be the first guest. And thank you for, for your kind word. I think and you know this, we don't always get feedback in these journeys that we are on. They can be 
isolated and the feedback at times is few and far between. So it's always nice to hear that you've impacted somebody's life in, a, in the smallest possible way. So thank you for, for sharing that with me and thank you for having me on your show. Thanks for joining me today on the Content to Create podcast. If this episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message. You can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram. I have both linked in the show notes. See you next time.